Uh, we are in this series, just starting it off, I feel like such a timely series. Timely for me personally, timely for our church. And what the concept is, is contesting for what matters most. We're, we're fighting for what matters most. We're, we're believing for and we're not giving up on what matters most. And I want to paint the picture of really what I feel like happens a lot when it comes to these fights, these life battles that we're in, battles that we're just facing in our life. About a hundred years ago, um, this became something of a symbol of defeat. See, in, in a boxing match, the corner, uh, that after taking a beating, after taking a beating, going a few rounds and taking some punches, uh, and you guys may not know this, but back in junior high, this guy right here, I used, to, I used to get into the ring a little bit. I used to box. I know it doesn't look like it, but if you guys were thinking about trying to jump me after church, just see what happens, all right? We'll see. It's been a long time since junior high, but still got it in me, maybe. Um, but, but this symbolized a, is, it was symbolized a token of defeat because the corner would throw this into the middle of the match at, if, the, if he just felt like his boxer was just done. If he was, he's taken too much of a beating, and this is a symbol of defeat. And I felt like bringing this up here because I, I, I asked the question, and I was praying about this. I asked the question of how many of us in today's battles, today's life battles, the things we're fighting against in our life are just holding this towel in our hand and asking the question, is it time to throw this in? And we're asking the question, man, is it, I'm, I'm in this battle and I feel like I'm losing. I, I, lately, I've been talking to a lot of people that have, that have been saying those words. I've been fighting a battle. And I just feel like I'm losing, and I feel like this is the only option at this point. And, and today, we're starting this series, and, and we're really going into it. We're talking about all these different areas that we, can, we, we need to fight in, that we, we should not give up, that we're not going to throw this in, but we're going to stand firm in Christ. But, but what I really want to communicate today as we open up this series is many of us don't understand the nature of of our fight. See, here's the here's big thing I want to communicate uh, today is that in order to win the fight, you need to recognize your adversary and you need to recognize your advocate. You need to recognize your adversary is the enemy, the devil. We're going to talk about the devil today. And you need to recognize your advocate, which is the almighty God, is advocating, is believing, is behind you, is for you, and is willing to say, hey, tap into my power, rely on me today. And so many of us think that we're, fight, we're in this battle. We got this wrong picture of, of what the battle is. See, we're, we're in this battle. We think we're fighting against our spouse. We think we're fighting against this, this stress that's in our life. We think, you've, we think we're fighting with discouragement, with another emotion that's attacking her. We think we're fighting with something physical. We think we're fighting with this recurring sin in our life. But, but we're losing the battle because we don't understand the fight. See, Scripture is really clear that the fight, the battle, is not a physical fight. It's not a... a the, scripture uses the words flesh and blood. But no, it's, it's a spiritual fight that is won by calling out to God, by relying on God, by declaring who God is, by declaring his word and standing on his promises. That's how the battle's won. That, that's how the fight is won. And it's not, it's not a physical fight. So we need to understand who the adversary is. We need to understand who our advocate is. And so I want to talk about how we, how we win by understanding the fight. And, and I mentioned that this was just a timely for me 
Because just a month ago, I was experiencing this overwhelming discouragement in my life. I was, I was hearing these words like, hey, you're not enough. You're going to be a failure. Remember your past. Remember, remember who you... And, and I was experiencing this. And I, some days I would wake up just feeling so discouraged. Like, I need to do stuff today, but I don't want to. I need to, I need to do this tomorrow, but I don't want to. I need to be, a, be this person, but I, I don't feel like it. And, so, and as, I was, as I was sharing that, and I finally just said, I need, to, I need to talk to people about this. And I started recognizing that it was the enemy's attack. So as, as I was sharing with my wife, I said, I feel like it's just the enemy, the adversary, the devil is just throwing these things at me. He's throwing this discouragement at me. And I, open, and I shared with Caleb, and it was so, so cool because I, as I shared that with him, I said, Caleb, I feel like I've never been more attacked in my life by the enemy. I feel like the devil is throwing everything he has at me. At this, in this season of my life. And it was interesting because he said, wow, because I can really resonate with that. I feel like I'm experiencing the same thing. And it got me encouraged when I said that. And you know why it encouraged me? Because I, I said, man, if the enemy's trying to attack the church, that means the enemy is getting nervous of what God is doing in Project Church. And God is doing something big, and I don't care if it makes the enemy nervous because who is our advocate? The mighty God. And so what I want to communicate today is that when that happened for me, I recognized, I recognized the adversary. I recognized it wasn't just a physical fight. I recognized it was, wasn't just me. It wasn't something I needed to change in my, in, you know, in, in something physically, but it was something I needed to change in the spiritual realm of what I saw spiritually. And I recognizing that it was attack from the enemy changed everything. And when I spoke those words out and I said, I just realized it's an attack from the enemy, that it's not a physical fight. It changed everything. And today, I feel like there's some people here today that don't, that you're saying, man, I'm fighting this, I'm fighting this, I'm feeling, and you do not recognize that, it's a, that you're fighting, that there's a, your spiritual adversary, the spiritual enemy, who is the devil, and, and, and you recognize the adversary, you recognize the advocate, and that is how you win the fight. And some, t- some people today just need to be set free from that truth today, and I'm praying, praying that that happens even now. So, I want to challenge you to fight. Holding this in your hand, I want to challenge you to say that's not an option because I know who my advocate is. I want you to look at that and say, no, I'm going back into this ring because I know who's empowering me. I know who has got my back, and that is the mighty, mighty God. And, and so I'm, I'm challenging you today to stand firm and fight. So we're going into this series, and, and like Lydia and um, my wife Veronica shared, it's, it's all about prayer. We're really focusing in on prayer so today we're starting the 21 days of prayer and fast of prayer and uh, also weekly gatherings. So um, as you saw, you can text that number to sign up. We're each going to eat where a member from our staff is going to create an email of encouragement just for you to pray more than you normally do. So if you pray one minute, pray two minutes. If you pray an hour, pray an hour and a half. Whatever it is, we're challenging you in the next 21 days, pray more than you have in the last 21 days. Does that sound like a good deal? And let's see what God does. Come on, we can get excited for that. I love it. I love it. And um, I'll encourage you to, to, to join that uh, text line so you can get the, the encouraging email. And also for Wednesday, the next two Wednesday nights, join us and see what God does. Um, so today we're talking about understanding the fight. Um, next week we're talking about fighting for unity. Then we're talking about fighting for the lost. Then we're talking about fighting for your dreams and goals. And then uh, we're talking about fighting for marriages, 
man, we're taking a stand saying the enemy is not going to come in and take, take what God wants to use as an example of him and, and bring that away. When we're fighting for marriages, we're fighting for families, for kids and parenting on October 7th, which is also Family Sunday. So it's going um, to be a great, great time. And um, let me jump into the word and just, and this is a powerful, very, very spiritually deep uh, portion of scripture. So I want to just take it a little slow. In Ephesians chapter 6, this is what it says, starting in verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For do, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present day, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Would you pray with me today? Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity, for gathering everybody here, for everyone represented here. It it represents a different battle that's going on. And I pray today you would use me, your Holy Spirit would fill me and speak to everyone in this room in a supernatural way that has nothing to do with me, but has everything to do with your words, God. So let us hear from you today, from your word, and from the supernatural experience we can when we just ask for for you to to hear from you. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. And so today, again, I'm talking about knowing your adversary, knowing your advocate. That's the key to, to winning the fight, right? Knowing your adversary and knowing your advocate. So first I want to talk about that. And um, it's interesting how, how, how that makes sense to me because any sports, you know, especially pro sports, you want to know your enemy really well. A UFC fighter wants to studies hours of film watching his opponent that he's going to go against. He wants to know how the opponent is going to attack him. He wants to know the opponent's strategies. And I think that's interesting because 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are ignorant of his designs. And see, sometimes I feel like we fall, we lose the fight because we're simply ignorant of what the enemy is trying to do. And I think that's one of his greatest strengths is, is the biggest deceptions he's ever met. I heard this said the other day. The, the biggest deception the devil ever made was that he's not real. The biggest deception he ever made is that he does not exist. You know, people like, a lot of churches are afraid to talk about him. A lot of, a lot of people say, like, I don't want to talk about the devil that much. And, and if you know me, I'm, I'm the last person to call like everything the devil. Like, you know, some people are like, ah, the guy messed up my cup of coffee. Must have been the devil. It's like, the Niners lost again. Must have been the devil. Like, nah, that's not the devil. They're just bad. Um, so so we, we got to recognize um, sometimes about, and I'm a Niners fan actually, so I'm with you. Um, we got to recognize, man, what, what the enemy's strategy is. And we don't, there's that, that pendulum that could, could say, like, I don't want to talk about the devil. Everyone calls everything the devil. But we have to, Scripture says, man, we are ignorant. We, we don't want to be outwitted by Satan. Satan's outwitting some of us. He's sneaking up and he's taking us down because we're ignorant of his schemes. You realize that? I don't want to, I don't want to fall. I don't want to lose the fight because I don't understand the enemy. 
I don't want to lose the fight because the devil's coming into my life and I don't even recognize it. So today I want to equip us. I pray that we feel equipped to recognize how the enemy is working in our life and equipped to know our advocate when we're going to stand firm. Um, so how do, you know, how do you know your adversary? How do you know your enemy? The enemy is described in a few ways. I want to talk about a few major ways. Number one, your enemy is the deceiver. See, the enemy wants to attack your mind with lies. He wants to, he wants to infiltrate your mind and, and give you lies and install lies into your mind. Download these lies that are not. And so these, thought, these thoughts, I was just experiencing these thoughts. I told you about a month ago. I was feeling these thoughts of like, man, I'm not good enough. And man, I don't know if the, the church is really going to move forward. I don't even know if the church is making a difference. Those thoughts go through my mind. Are those of God? No, these are, these are the enemy. These are the, this is the deceiver coming in. See, this is why we call him the de- deceiver. Because in, in John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus is describing him. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar. And this is a, this is a crazy definition or a name, to, a title to give to someone. He is the father of lies. So everything he says is a lie. So someone asks, hey, how do you know if the devil's lying? If he's talking. You know what I'm saying? He, everything he says, he's lying. He's trying to, trying to deceive everything. So we see that from the beginning. Also another reason we can call him the deceiver is we can look at Adam and Eve. And he, he came up to Eve and said, did God really say that? And that's often what he does. He doesn't want to just... To, to throw a huge, obvious lie right at your face. Sometimes he wants to take the word of God and just twist it a little bit. He wants to say, man, did God really say that? It'll be all right. It's no big deal. And I think God does, or I think the enemy does that in our lives in very subtle ways. And, and he distorts the truth. He'll say, hey, you remember God loves you? Hey, remember God, for, God will forgive you? You can do that. God will... God, God loves you. You can look at that. You can say that to that person. God will forgive you. He loves you. He wants you to be happy. See, that's twisting, twisting the truth. That's, that's the enemy taking a truth that, yes, God loves you, but he doesn't want to t- make you, have you take dumb decisions that cause sin in your life, that causes problems in your life, causes you to lose the fight. See, he, he takes those, those things and he, and he puts lies into your, to your mind. You need to know, and so how do you combat the, the lies? You need to know the truth. What is the truth? The truth is the word of God. We need to open up our Bible. We need to, to know the word of God so you can counter those lies with the truth. The enemy hits you with the lie, and you say, no, this is what God says I am. No, this is, this is what God says in this situation. You need to know the truth if you're going to overcome the lies of the enemy. The enemy will attack your mind with lies. He's the deceiver. Second thing is this. He's the accuser. He is the accuser. See, this is why we know that in Revelation 12.10. It says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of, God, of our God and the authority of his, of his Christ have come. For the accusers of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. See, the enemy, he, this is what he does. When he talks to you about God, he lies. When he talks to you about you, he accuses. He's looking at you and he says, hey, I know you. You're nothing but this. 
You're a failure. Remember what you did? Remember years ago? Remember, that's still you. See, the enemy tries to bring up your past, but God says, hey, no, this is who, you, who I see you are. This is, I thought that was so powerful. We're singing that song. This is who God says I am because the enemy wants to say, no, this is who I think you are. This is who your past was. So you're a failure. You're, you're this, you're that. God says, no, this is who you are. You're a child of God. You are more than a conqueror in Christ. You are capable. You have everything you need because I am with you. So, so, so the enemy attacks us in this way. As the devil talks to you about God, he's going to lie. But when the devil talks to you about you, he's accusing you. He's pointing the finger at you. You're not good enough. The enemy wants you to get, to get into your heart and tell you that. You're not good enough. 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 5. I love this. I'm giving a lot of scripture today. And my wife just gets super excited. Usually I just like focus on like one scripture and go really deep into that. But I have a lot. And so my wife got really excited about that because she just likes and just shotgun and just hit you with a bunch of scripture. So 2 Corinthians 10, 3 says this, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. So similar to Ephesians 6. For the weapons of a warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And that's what prayer does. Destroy the strongholds. Man, that's, that's who we have, in, our, our power in Christ. Prayer is our power, and we have that to destroy the strongholds. Some of us have these strongholds in our life. We have addictions in our life. We have these, these things, these strongholds in our life that prayer can destroy according to the word of God. We destroy arguments. This is what I actually wanted to focus. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion. Who, are, who is these arguments with? These, these arguments and lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and it says this, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. See, these, these thoughts that come into us and say, hey, you're, you're this. You're a failure. We need, we need to take those things and, and make them obedient to Christ. Put them in the presence of God, and God will change those thoughts and says, no, it's, that's not true. See, that's a lie. That's an accusation that's not accurate. And he's going to say, you're, you're not a failure. You're more than a conqueror in Christ. According to Romans 8, according to, to God, according to who God says you are, you are more than a conqueror in him. And so I was experiencing the same thing. Remember, I was sharing, sharing with my wife and sharing with Caleb, and I said, man, I just feel like I'm not good enough. Like, I'm just n not enough. I feel like I, I don't know if I have what it takes. And so I was recognizing that as I spoke those out, see, the enemy would love for you just to kind of keep it to yourself. These thoughts and these things that come into your heart and mind, these these ideas, you're saying, I don't know where I'm getting those. This is where you're getting from. It's from your adversary, the enemy, the devil. And they come into your heart, and the enemy would love for you just to kind of keep it to yourself. And just kind of say, I'll battle this out. I'll figure this out on my own. But something about speaking it out to someone else, and even more important, speaking this out to the presence of God. And when you do that, you're taking that thought captive and making obedient to Christ. If you take a thought and say, hey, I'm making this obedient to Christ, and it, it, it eliminates the enemy's power in, the, in those thoughts. You're taking the thoughts out and saying, no, this is aligning it with what God says I am. And so I was experiencing that. I was saying, man, I'm not good enough. No, you're complete in me. Say, no, I'm a failure. No, you're more than a conqueror. Man, I'm a bad per parent. No, you're created for a purpose. I'm a horrible spouse. No, you're an amazing spouse because I am filling you with my presence. And the devil will remind you of all the things in your past, but God sees what you're capable of and he sees your future, your potential, and he speaks in hope into your situation. Last thing I, I recognize is the enemy is he's the destroyer. 
Because John 10.10, Jesus also describes him this way. He says, the thief, talking about the enemy, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. I I always wondered what that looked like. Like, I hear that voice, or hear that verse often. I never really thought about it too much. But then it says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. But the enemy wants to steal. What does he want to steal? He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your peace. And sometimes when we're, we're, we're thinking about throwing this in, and, and he's winning. He's just, we're letting him. I feel like so often when I talk to people, man, we're just letting them steal our peace. But we need to recognize that he doesn't have the authority to do that because our advocate is for us. And he's saying, no, no, this is mine. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, who's your adversary? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And he's out to destroy. He's out to de- he has, his intention is to bring you down, is to destroy your peace, destroy your joy, destroy your self-worth. Everything that God sees, he wants to take down. He wants to demolish the work of God in your life. And that's one thing I've noticed, as, noticed is, as a lot of people said, like, man, I didn't really get attacked until I started serving God. I didn't really feel these attacks. I didn't really get attacked by the enemy until I really started talking to my, my coworkers about Christ. I didn't, didn't really feel the enemy's attack until I really started praying for my cousin to get saved. Or I didn't really feel the enemy's attacks until I started serving in our church and making an impact in the kingdom of God. But then all of a sudden I started feeling the enemy's attacks. Why is that? It's because when we're just sitting back, the enemy's saying, hey, I'm not gonna worry about you. I wanna keep you nice and cozy. So you're not going to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Because if you're not, then I'm not going to worry about you. But when you make a difference in the kingdom of God, the enemy pays attention. He's like, hey, I'm going to take you out. We need to be watchful. Be sober-minded and watchful. Because the enemy wants to take us out. He wants to say, who am I going to devour? And he's looking for those that are, that are all in. That are saying, I'm making a difference in the kingdom of God. You need to recognize your enemy. But even more, you need to recognize your advocate. And we have, we have power and authority. So, so here's, here's who the enemy is. He's, he's, the, he's the accuser, he's the deceiver, he's the accuser, and he's the destroyer. So that's what he wants to do. So we're recognizing those opponents. That's the way the opponent's trying to attack us. He's trying to deceive us, he's trying to accuse us, and he's trying to destroy the things God puts in our life. But lastly, I want to talk about man, how do you fight? How do you recognize who our advocate is? And um, I want to bring back, go back to the original scripture and Ephesians chapter 6, we could bring that up. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You realize it says like the word strength like three times in that first? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So it's basically saying like another word for power like three times in that first verse. So it's emphasizing, it's like multiplying it by three and saying, man, this is how important it is. Be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. That's how God is capable. That's the power we have tapped in, that, that, is, that we're capable of tapping into. And then what does it say? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then jumping down to verse 13. Therefore, again, take up the whole armor of God. Put on everything God, put up the shield of faith, put on the breastplate of righteousness, put on the, sel- the helmet of salvation, the, the sandals which represent peace of the gospel, and the sword of faith that you're lifting up and saying, man, this is, my, this is the word of God, and this is, my, this is my 
attack. This is my offense that I'm saying, man, the enemy is trying to attack me. I'm going to come at him with the word of God. Just like Jesus did in Matthew 4, the enemy was attacking him, and he said, no, this is what the word of God says. Turn these, turn these stones into bread. No, this is what the word of God says. And jump from here. No, this is what the word of God says. Three times he answered with the word of God. We need to have the word of God in our heart, which is called the sword of the spirit. Put on the whole armor of God. But, but what I want to emphasize, take up the whole armor of God, verse 13, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. That we do everything we can. Do it all. Everything we exhaust. Every method to stand firm. We're putting on every aspect of who God says we are. And we're, and we're saying, no, I'm not going to throw this in. I'm going to stand firm in who God says I am. We went to the beach the other day and uh, or a few weeks ago, and my daughter did something that I thought was pretty awesome, like she often does, my five-year-old, Charlotte. And afterwards, I realized the incredible spiritual wisdom that can be drawn from it, the, the incredible spiritual application that can be drawn from, from this. So this is what happened. Every time I go to the beach, pretty much every single time, you can ask my wife, it's like a ritual I have. I just dig a hole. Like, Sounds kind of weird, but I just like dig this massive hole, like, as for, like I spend a few hours on it, and I get up to like here, and then I just let the kids just dig, just, or just jump in and out of it, and they have a blast. It's something about like therapeutic for me. It feels really good to me. It's like I'm, sometimes being a pastor, you do a lot of work, and you don't really see the results right away, but this, I'm like, I see the fruits of my labor instantly. Like it's just boom, like look, I made a difference right there. Anyways, that's what I do every single time. And uh, this time we went to the beach, it was no different. I dug my hole, and, uh, and then Charlotte was playing in it. And then we came, went over and kind of sat down, had lunch. And uh, some other kids came over and started playing, with, playing in it too. I'm like, oh, that's great. That's what usually ends up happening. For some reason, kids just see a hole. It's like, oh, it looks like fun. They just kind of, you know. And, um, and so that's what happened. Some kids were playing in it, and then we finished our lunch, and Charlotte went and joined them and was playing, playing in the hole with them. And after a little bit, this kid said something to my daughter. I was, on, I was in earshot, and I was watching, watching them play. And I saw this kid say something to my daughter. And he said, hey, uh, this is my hole. You've got to leave now. Like, this, like okay, kid. He said, hey, that's what he said. He said, like, this is my hole, and now, and now you've got to leave. And my daughter was, did not hesitate a second. He said, no, this, this is not your hole. My daddy built this hole. And the kid was just like, and then he looked over at me because he saw his daddy. I was like, what's up, dude? <laughs> like, got something to say? What's up? And I, I felt that had so much spiritual, spiritual application that the, when the enemy comes at you and says, hey, I want to take this from you, you say, no, this is not yours to take. This is my father's. My father gave me this. My father gave me this joy. My father gave me this marriage. My father gave me this child. This is mine. This is not yours to take. And so my challenge to you today is to say that, to stand firm. I believe my daughter demonstrated what it means to stand firm. And she said, no, not, that's not how it goes. This isn't yours to take. See, this is, doesn't belong to you. This belongs to my father. And what's the enemy trying to take from your life? What's the enemy trying to win over? What's he trying, how is he trying to lie to you? How is he trying to, to, to accuse you? And you're able to say, no, this is how it is. And if the keys come back at this time, I wonder how many of us 
are looking at this towel and saying, man, is it time? This battle and this life situation I'm going through, is it, is it time to throw this in? And Ephesians 6 says to stand firm. This isn't an option because you know your advocate. And you say, no, the enemy is coming at you trying to take something from you. You're going to say, no, that's not an option today. That's not an option because this is who this belongs to. You can't take my joy. You can't take my peace. You can't take my, my marriage because I'm standing firm and saying, this is, this is my father's. This doesn't belong to you, enemy. This belongs to my father. Can we take a stand today, church? Can we stand firm on the word of God? Can we stand firm in the, in the authority that we have in our advocate? I wonder what that would look like. And if we told West Sacramento, man, we're standing firm that, that this city doesn't belong to the enemy. This, this country, this, this planet doesn't belong to the enemy. Man, my father built this. My father built this place. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to our God. Would you stand to, our, to your feet all across this place?